Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. awesome last week preaching like I was cheering you on from home buddy I was homesick and uh and it was so good such a good word and I love like the um definition of like how we need the prophetic and that they are speaking on behalf of God and then there's the the you know the priesthood who are speaking on behalf of the people and um that tied into Josh's word about understanding who we are and I'm going to talk about that actually a little bit later um that it's so important that we understand our role um, and so he was talking about roles last week. So we're talking about engage. And um, today, last week, we started our theme of talking about community. Um, so I was sick this week. And so I was doing lots of devotions and lots of reading. And, and I never usually do this, but I was just sending text after text to chat. And I'm like, this would be really good for your sermon. You know, I'm like, was, you know, like that first wife behind the scenes of like, this would be awesome. You should preach this, you know, or like all of those awesome Christian movies where there's, there's that woman who is like, pastor, you didn't preach what I suggested. That's not normally me, but I'm feeding all this stuff. And then I look at him on like Thursday and I'm like, you don't look good. And then Friday I'm like, now I know why God gave me so much for your sermon. I think I have to preach. And so he's at home with Emma, and him and Emma are sick, um, or he's on the tail end of it, but I am breathing clean. And we took many COVID tests, and it's not COVID people, and I'm doing fine now. But you're stuck with me preaching today. So thank you for that vote of confidence, because I'm going to need it. I woke up shaking. So here we are. And Pastor Carlo did mention... Um, to the long-winded preacher to maybe put a start watch on it so that I know how and how I was preaching. So here we go. Okay, so my, my message is entitled, Whose Shoes Are You In? And yes, ladies who love sensible shoes, that book, and if you don't know it, other ladies, sorry guys, it's kind of a girly thing. Um, there's a book called Sensible Shoes, and it is a, a journey and a path to, um, to finding you know, spiritual... Um, your connection with God. And it's so good, and you really, really need to read it. And, and it really ties in with what we've been talking about um, on Sunday nights with hearing God. How many people have been enjoying that series? So many hands, so good. Um, and there's so many different ways of um, connecting with God and reading scripture. And so I wanted to challenge you in one of the ways that I was challenged in this book and also in hearing God. So I want you to pull out your phone. And um, you're not going to text anybody. You're going to pull up your notes. And I want you to sink into the story that I'm going to cre- take some creative um, leisure to read over you. It's a book um, from Luke 18, but I'm just going to add some creative element into it. But I want you to write down as I'm reading, is there a character that you identify with? Is there somebody who you're like, oh, I, that, that's me. Like I could feel that. And if there's not, and that's not the way your brain works, 
I just release creativity over you right now in Jesus' name. And um, I do believe that if we ask that God's going to help you that way. Okay, so let me tell you a story. And you can make some notes as I'm, as I'm speaking. And I'm going to give you a couple minutes after, okay? So one day, Jesus was walking along the road to Jericho. It was such a busy city. It was a city located in the Jordan Valley with the Jordan River to the east of it and the Jerusalem to the west. The streets were busy selling with people selling things, people bustling along, doing their business or simply traveling through. And there were also um, all of the sides of the streets were just covered in beggars who were asking for money. And people didn't really seem to notice them much. But they were frustrated because they were kind of in the way. And not only that, this is Jericho, this awesome city. It was kind of making the city look dirty. But through the crowd, as loud as the crowd was, Jesus could hear a voice that stood out above them all shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped because he knew that whomever said those words knew that he was the son of God. Now, this is so important because Jesus had never been publicly de declared as the Messiah. Who could know that he was the Messiah? And there was a boldness in the man's voice that, that showed so much desperation, but so much faith too. The man was traveling, um, that Jesus was traveling with, knew they were going. And they didn't want any distractions or any disruptions to their plans. Hoping Jesus hadn't heard the man, they rebuked him. And he told them to be quiet. But he shouted louder, Jesus, or son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked the men to bring the beggar to him. And the men's shoulders dropped. Because as they knew, their plans were about to be delayed. They reluctantly obeyed Jesus. As they brought him, Jesus could tell that the man was blind. And he asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And the man replied, I want to see. And Jesus replied to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, the man received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all of the people saw it, they also praised God. Okay, so take two minutes. I want everybody to do that because everybody really has a phone or a journal. And I want you to take two minutes. And I want you to ask God, who do I identify with the most? When we hear somebody preach, oftentimes we're getting a whole lot of information. But until it connects with our emotions and it connects with what God wants to speak to us, it's one ear in and one ear out. And this is where you need to ask God to speak to you. So take a few moments. Who do you identify with and why? Why do you identify with that? And I'm watching you to see if you're doing your homework. As you read the passage, were you able to see yourself in any of the characters? I see three main character allotments so first we have the blind beggar we have a man who's been sitting on the side of the road for possibly a lifetime my mind goes to why was he on the side of the road did his parents run out of money and they couldn't look after him anymore and so they had to shut him out or did they were did they have a blind you know child and the disgrace that that brought their family, they, they discarded him. 
Or maybe something happened to his family. And maybe he found himself alone with no one to look after him and no one to provide financially for him. And so he found himself on the side of the road. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? The hopelessness, the shame, the fear for his life and for safety. The thought of being blind to me is absolutely overwhelming. To, like everything is dark. You have no forward vision or peripheral that would give you an indication that com somebody's coming at you, whether good or bad. And there's just so much fear, hopelessness, and helplessness. But I, I wonder how many in this room or online can identify with that person. Can you identify with the feelings of hopelessness? And maybe you might not be physically blind, but you're spiritually blind. Um, maybe something in your past, a situation or a trauma um, has caused you to feel this way. But if that's not you, sometimes it's hard to put yourself in that, those shoes. And we look at people on the sides of the road or the reason why this sermon is extremely near and dear to my heart is because I have seen so many homeless people in Stratford and my heart, it bursts every time I see them. I had a personal experience with trying to help somebody who was losing their home and um, I was not able to find them someplace to live and I, I lost contact with them. I didn't know how to find them. I still haven't found them and I have not recovered from that yet because I, I don't know where they are and I felt like I couldn't help them. So my heart is grieved from that. But sometimes if you can't put yourself in their shoes or you don't have an emotional connection, when you see somebody uh, with a sign on the side of the road, do you drive by them or do you, do you maybe even sometimes go, I'm not going to give them money because they're going to sell it on, on drugs or alcohol. Sometimes we don't mean to or intend to, but we have a judgment against people that we don't understand. And we really need to repent of those things and just say, God, open my mind because there's a reason why they're there. And, and God, you've called me just to help. And you've called me just to trust you that whatever I'm able to help with or whatever I'm able to give, that God, you're going to do some good. out, And maybe it's just going to show them love. But, but it's important that you put yourselves in their shoes. And so what I'm asking is if, if you didn't feel connection, I want you right now to try to put yourself in their shoes. Imagine yourself on the side of the road and in this story. And one day you hear the bustling about you and you ask, What's going on? And somebody tells you Jesus is about to walk by you. You've dreamed about this day since the moment that you heard his voice. And you've realized that this might be your only chance to meet him. Because he's the only one with any possibility of somebody being able to help you. So you cry out only to be hushed by some of the men that he was traveling with. Did they reflect how Jesus would have responded to him? Did those men and their hushing, did, did they reflect how Jesus would receive you? Should you be quiet after trying the first time? 
Then this leads me to our second set of characters, the busy traveling men with Jesus. They're on a mission, walking through Jericho because Jericho, because Jesus probably had said, if any of you have watched in The Chosen, it's really easy for me to just like put myself in Jesus' shoes and the disciples and Peter who's like out to like fearlessly save, you know, Jesus and protect him. And if you haven't watched The Chosen, it is so good. You need to watch it. Um, and so I am just picturing like Jesus told Peter, you know, like this is where we're going. And so Peter's like out front and he is like, okay, I will take you there, you know. And so he is tromping through Jericho. He's on a mission. And the, the disciples and anybody who is traveling with them, they are going to where they're supposed to go. And I'm sure that they had a sense of, like, responsibility and yet excitement to be part of this, of this mission. Um, but did any of you find yourselves, you don't have to put your, up your hand if you don't want to, because sometimes this one's a little bit like, yeah, that's me. Um, anybody of you find yourself in these shoes? Have, anybody, have any of you ever been in such a hurry that you found yourself so greatly frustrated by interruptions to your plans? That is how I lived the majority of my life, and possibly still do, but... I did have an awakening, but that was my life, minute to minute. Like, if somebody interrupts me, oh man, my day is shot. I am going to be late for every other appointment because I booked myself from 8.59 in the morning until probably 8.59 at night, and everything was just in a row. And not only that, though, I woke up in the morning extra early to pray, and I piously prayed, Lord, would you use me today? Would you bless my plans? And would you help me along the way? And if you want to shove anything else into my busy day, yeah, you go right ahead, Lord. But as my day was very, very full, and I had an interruption here or there, I can't, I can't lie to you and tell you I wasn't a little annoyed or frustrated that I was going to be late for the next thing. Anybody else been there? And I would almost call those things that I missed out on God interruptions. So let me ask you this. Have you ever heard people talk poorly about Christians? How rude and judgmental they are. Or maybe they simply seem pious and proud and they don't associate with anybody outside their Christian circle, right? They don't give the time of day to anybody else because they're busy. They're busy Christians. They've got to get to church, and they can't be late because they're letting somebody else down, right? They don't know their neighbors, and they certainly aren't looking for ways to help. And I'm not talking to anybody here in this room, right? So it's those busy Christians out there. But here's the problem that I see so far when we evaluate these two characters. I know that this is not the case in this story that we're talking about, but sometimes the blind don't know that they're blind and they are silently suffering because they don't want to come across as needy or put anybody else out. And the busy Christians isn't looking for the blind, so they're walking right by them every day without knowing it. So to give the busy Christian credit and the benefit of the doubt, sometimes we don't know how to help, right? We don't know how to help people. And so... We don't want to fail, and we don't want to disappoint them more because then we're representing Christ, and Christ then failed, or I don't know how to help. So let me just 
maybe turn away and pretend I didn't see it because I don't really know how to help anyway. So that's the benefit of the doubt for the Christian. I don't really know how to help. So I'm just, just going to walk away. But what if helping was easier than you thought? This introduces us to our last character, Jesus. Before we dive into the role and response, I want to share a little about how he lived his life so that we can understand him a bit more. I love how Jesus often got away um, from the busynesses of, of life. And this is what hearing God is all about. It's stopping. It's pausing. It's taking extra time. It's not checking off. I did my devotion and I walked on. But, but just like we did, we read the scripture and we put ourselves in it and we took a moment to reflect and then we're going to have to take a moment at the end to ask forgiveness and to ask God to help us. And so this is what God did. And he showed us. He showed us how to live. He took time away from everybody. And I still remember in, um, in The Chosen, if you watch it, Peter's like, Jesus, there's people who need you. Where are you going? And Jesus is like, I'm going to spend some time with God. And so John t- uh, verse 5 Uh, or chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. James 1, verse 27 says, Religion that God our father accepts as pure and thoughtless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this scripture, so good, and I'm going to come back to this later too. Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 9, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. And just in case I don't get to the end of my sermon because of time today, I need to to say that this scripture to me is so powerful because when we think and view the church and when we think about ourselves, we think, I want to go to a church that is going to fill me up. I want to go to a church that is going to feed me. Anybody, you know, feel that way? And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. But where, it, where it, it can't stop there, though, because Jesus said, feed my sheep. And, and that wasn't just to me as a pastor. That was to you. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this today, that this is, this is our role. So, but, but how does this correspond to us when we find ourselves in the place of the beggar? And we're, and we're thinking, yeah, but I need help. And, and the condemnation of this message can come across as, you don't need help. You should be helping somebody else. Here's the cool thing about God. This is the coolest thing about God. He says that, that, he says, this is what you're supposed to do. You need to feed the homeless. You need to break the chains of injustice. You need to go and do this. 
But then he says, then you, then your, then me, then my light, then God's light will shine, will break forth like the dawn, and my healing will quickly appear. And my righteousness will go before you and your glory and the glory of the Lord will be my rear guard. And then I will call and the Lord will answer me. I will cry out for help and he will say, here I am. Isn't that cool? So yeah, in the midst of, of our own needs, he says, as you begin to go out and to meet the needs of those in your community and to those around you. And when you ask God to open your eyes to those who need you, he said, I love those people and I see you and you're feeding my sheep and I just, I can't even contain myself with you. Let me, let me heal you. Let me do whatever needs to happen to you because I'm just so, so excited and cheering you on. I'm gonna give you everything that you need in order to do that. So what if that was the step? What if we think, when I get healed, I'm gonna be a great evangelist. When I get healed, I am gonna tell everybody about it. But what if God has, God sometimes in the kingdom of God does things in reverse, doesn't he? What if this was one of those things? When he said, you want healing? You go meet the needs of everybody around you and you keep seeking me. But doesn't, don't we need God more when we put ourselves out there and we step out in faith? It's like stepping off a cliff going, God, I need you. But if we're playing it super safe and we're like, oh, you know, all is well, you know, everything's, everything's good. How much are you needing God right now? Right? But when we're about to step off a cliff going, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing here. We need God so much, we get closer to God. And then I wonder if that's the key. Because then God says, man, I am, you're ripe. You're ripe and I'm able to do whatever I want to do in your life. And that overflow, because it's going to be so much more real and raw, that overflow is just going to pour out onto everybody around you. That's, I believe, what the church is supposed to be. I feel like we just got it wrong sometimes. We're, we're coming here to get healed and fed, but, but, but God's saying, I want you to do it. I want you to partner with me. I want you to partner with pastors. I want you to partner with church and I want you to go do it. But those people aren't in this building, right? They're in your workplaces and in your, in your neighborhoods and they are, they are in your home sometimes. Um, I'm really lost now. And Sandy, who's on PowerPoint, I'm deeply sorry. It's just all gone now. I'm so far away. But you know what? I'm just going to jump to Mark 12, 41 to 42. This is a cool scripture. It's the widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she lived on. And I love this because it reminds us that, that everybody has something to give, no matter how big or how small. 
whether it's your time, whether it's money, or whether that sacrifice of prize is, is that feeling like, I'm not there yet. But God's saying, jump off the cliff because I'll catch you and, and we'll get there together. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. This is just a backup what I already said. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I want to remind you of who we are at Bethel. We are disciples. I'm a disciple. We are disciples making disciples. So we are trying to form not milk-drinking, stagnant people, but people who are active in doing it as well so we can partner with you. And, every, and I love this scripture, and I could probably preach a whole, a whole sermon or four on this passage because I'm kind of passionate about the fact that we are all different. God made some to be teachers, and this is not just people in the church, like on the platform. This is you. He made all of us with different giftings and different um, uniquenesses, some to be prophets. And that means you love worship. And there's like this like side of you that just hears from God and it just loves it. There's the teachers who are just like, man, those intellectuals that just like can like out theology me and God bless you people. And then there's the evangelists who are like, why are y'all in the church worshiping? We need to be out there. And then there's, you know, the pastors who are like, I love you. You're my little shepherd, you know, sheep, you know, and like, like this is what the body of Christ is. We all have different roles. And if we don't understand each other, we judge each other, right? We judge each other because we don't understand each other. And why are you only wanting to worship when there's lost people out there? And you're like, why are you out there when Jesus isn't here? And we are meant to like, you know, bow down before him and do nothing else. They just don't understand each other. When you understand that God created every single one of us, there needs to be an honor of each other. But God created you with different giftings. And then even outside of this, there's giftings outside of that. I want you to take a moment and get out your phone again. And I want to write you to write down three things that makes you unique. What are your giftings? And you may not have a clue, but let me tell you, we received some meals this week and I responded to them saying, this is not fair that you know how to cook this good because I don't know how to cook this good. Bless you people who are good in the kitchen. Poor Chad, it's not fair for him. Um, I make, you know, a lot of like dairy-free, gluten-free hockey pucks. Like that's my specialty. Like if you need a hockey puck, I know the recipe for you. It is good. Um, poor Chad. But, um, but so, so I know I've been talking about, you know, different giftings in the church, but what, what if you just, what if you're really good with your hands and fixing things? What if you, you know, you could look at an electrical panel and you're like, oh, I know exactly what's wrong. Um, or what if, you know, you're in a wheelchair for those at home or whomever, and you're like, I can't, I, I don't know what I can do, but I can pray. And maybe that is your gifting. You have the gift of prayer. So write it down right now. All right, you can keep writing as I talk. So those are the things 
that God wants to use and wants to use you through. It's simple. Jesus came with a simple question. He said, so what do you want me to do for you? Isn't, isn't that simple? So what, what do you want me to do for you? What if we came upon somebody or in our devotions and in our God time, God put somebody on our heart, or maybe we walked down the street, or, you know, and, and that anxiety and that fear swept over us. I don't know how to help. I don't know how to help. I want to help, but I don't know how to help. What if you followed Jesus' direction and you said, what do you want me to do for you? What if it was that easy? And if they said, I want to be healed, then say, I know somebody, I don't know how to heal you but I know somebody who does know how to heal you. And let's just pray right now. Or what if they're just like, I have COVID and we just have no groceries. Go buy them groceries. Um, it's that easy. Um, Chad and I went to a prophetic conference this fall and a really honored man, like somebody that we just respect, um, came up to us and he said to us, I see a picture of you um, in a kitchen with a really big island and <laughs> we started laughing because we have the biggest island in our house that there ever possibly could be. It actually takes up the whole room and I just want to get rid of it. So I'm like, oh, that means it's going to be here for a while. So, so I'm like, shoot. Um, and he said, and I just see people around it. And I see that you are going to be pastors to people who will never step foot in your church. And I even, you know, he, he went on to show a couple more details that, deeply impacted me because it had to do with my new neighborhood and the, the ones that I felt led to call uh, to, to minister the most. But when he said that to us, he said, those people are never going to step foot in your church, but you're going to pastor them. Do you know what that made, meant to me? It didn't mean that because I am a pastor and I am, have the vocation and get paid to be a pastor that I am going to take on my neighbors and pastor them. That meant that God called me to have a relationship with them and to bring them to Jesus and to be a bridge to life in Christ, is, which is what we are at church. And, and because of my relationship with them, I would have a chance to pour into them. And, and it was such a profound word that I really believe isn't just for us. I believe, and I want to prophesy over you, that you are going to be a pastor. Welcome to the club. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a shepherd and have a relationship with people. And you are going to have a chance to minister to them in your own homes if you open them up. First Peter 2 verses 9 to 13 said, For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. This is what God's saying. He's like, you didn't before, but now you do. So you have something to give away. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage the war against the very soul. And I love this. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong, you won't be that crotchety, old, terrible Christian that they judge and connect with the church. Don't tell them that you are from Bethel, if that's what, how you act. But be that loving and kind one so that they're like, Bethel must be a great place. Um, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give 
honor to God when he judges the earth. So I want you to stand up. And I'm not quite done preaching. I am very close, okay? Was that a woohoo? I'm almost done. Uh oh. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so we are going to, if, if, if poor, uh, um, our poor PowerPoint person is able to find this, I want you to say this over yourself. So this is another thing that I love to do as I read scripture. It says, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So we're going to put this in our words. And you're going to declare this over yourself. And we're going to say this a couple of times until you start to believe it yourself. Okay, are you ready? Let's say this together. For we are a chosen people. We are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, I can show others the goodness of God, for he called me out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Let's say it again. For we are a chosen people. We are a royal priest, a holy nation for God's very own possession. As a result, I can show others the goodness of God. For he called me out of the darkness into his wonderful light. One last time. Let's say it like we believe it. A little stronger. I'm going to be a Pastor Charlie right now. Come on. Here we go. For we are a chosen people. We are a royal priest. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, I can show others the goodness of God. For he called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So you may be seated. Okay, take out your phone last time. Practical, right here. I want you to do two things. Write down one person that God wants you to reach out to. I want to remind you of a saying that we had at the beginning or several years ago. Do you remember when we said invite and invest in one? It was the concept that you don't have to take on the world. You need God to speak to you about one person. But then you also need to make yourself less busy and more patient with God interruptions. Leave more room in your life. So that God can say, do you see that person? Go do something. And it doesn't wreck your day. That that's the highlight of your day. That you would be in the word of God and in the presence of God so that God can speak to you and you can hear him. So that's number two. Ask God, what is one thing that you can do to pause more each day to make room for God interruptions? Okay? I'm going to give you one minute. I know we're, we're going overboard. So one minute, I want you to write those things down because I don't believe that when you walk away from this sermon, I am sorry, I don't believe that we actually think about it again, really. But if you have it written down and God's already spoken to you, this is between you and God. So what is, what's the name of one person that God wants you to invest in? And then ask God, what is the one thing you can do to pause more each day to make room for God interruptions?
So, Father, we just thank you that you speak and that you're a personal God, that you don't take callings and put us all in this cookie-cutter um, idea of what we should look like. God, that you gave each and every single one of us unique giftings, callings. We don't think they're much, but, but you do. You created us that way. You, you want us to actually be ourselves. You don't need us to become somebody that we're not. You created us with everything that we already have to do what you've called us to do. But the cool thing is, is that the Holy Spirit wants to come in and empower that to embolden us to do what you've called us to do. So God, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that we would have your eyes to see the lost around us in this community, that we would hear that still small voice that says, go buy a meal for a homeless person. That, that still quiet voice that says, go buy a blanket or, or, or a sleeping bag. Or that just simply says, hey, you've got a neighbor that needs you. Just listen. Go talk to them and ask them how their day was. God, speak to your church. Transform your church so that we can start to actually honor and glorify and look like you in our community. In your name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.